You are listening to Mosaic's Midweek Podcast. Through a series of personal reflections and stories, we share how the kingdom of God is breaking into our hearts and our city as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mosaic Midweek Podcast. I am here with Zaru. Zaru, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. How about you? Good. Doing good, man. Excited to be here. Excited to continue talking through our uh, Lord's Supper and Communion series. And obviously this past, uh, well, I guess the the last time we got together, we talked about the idea of community and kind of the root word being communion, community, doing this together around a table, shared experience, uh, and the concept of individual Christianity, which is very prevalent in uh, the Western world versus this idea of community in the um, Eastern world, which is how the scriptures were written uh, in this kind of Eastern worldview, communal worldview. And so I just want to think for a minute about, we talk about being present with people um, in the concept of being in community, in the concept of being in relationship particularly in the concept of being at a table, uh, practicing communion together. So when I say, what does it mean to be present with someone? Tell me kind of what comes to your mind. Yeah. um, When I think being present with someone, I think a focused uh, attention on that particular person and trying to resist the urge to let your heart or your mind wander to any of your other preoccupations, even though you're preoccup- what you're preoccupied with probably matters. So we're not like, I'm not advocating that being present with someone means you're just able to shuffle everything off into this compartmentalized drawer, drawer and just shove it in there and not think about it at all. But it's being present is the continual, in the negative sense, the continual resisting the urge to let those preoccupations surface over the thing at hand Mm. but in the positive sense it's prioritizing the person in front of you not just as like um (laughs) a one time it's not like a slider that you just like i'm looking at this podcast board over here and you have the volume sliders like where one is over two or two is over one but it's like in that moment there is a you're you're engrossed in that person's life and and that's the focus that i'm talking about it's not that there aren't distractions within it but there is this giving of yourself in that Mm. to that person yeah yeah i think that's great you know one of the things that sticks out to me is this idea of what does it mean to be a good listener Mm -hmm. um i don't know who said it but I've, i've heard it said that being listened to uh, is so close to being loved right. that most people cannot tell the difference. Right. And so this this concept of listening, leaning in, uh, what does that mean? And I think for for me, one of the challenges in kind of a narcissistic, egotistical world that we live in most of the time is when we're in conversation or we're talking with someone, much of the time, listening becomes an exercise in how to self-reference something that someone has said. So you're sharing a story, something has happened in your life, suffering has happened, a challenge you're uh, dealing with. And so someone then automatically references something that's happened in their life uh, and kind of pivots from you being the central focus of the conversation to then me being the central focus of the conversation. And so I think someone who is, if we're going to be 
practicing really the presence of God by embodying that, by being attentive to people in conversation. One of the ways we do that is listening. And one of the ways we listen well is to maybe refrain from self-referencing and leaning in to saying, okay, what does it mean to be a good question asker? Okay, what is this? Can I identify what this person is thinking uh, and what this person is feeling? Uh, And then being able to reflect back and say, hey, I, I think what I heard you say was, you know, da 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 da, uh, as opposed to just moving on uh, once someone has finished. So I, I think that's a challenge in a world that is sort of consumed with the self. Does that make sense? Right. And there are these illusions of progress when you do do those self-referencing things. Like you, you, you feel like you're actually mm. moving the ball forward in the conversation by moving on, and it like. It just perpetuates that cycle of terrible listening. Yeah, yeah. You end up not listening at all. And then it, it. I think actually the posture of it, maybe even unbeknownst to you, but the posture of it is just a selfish right. ambition to sort of prove myself or insert myself back into the center of the conversation. And that's just a real, right. it's a temptation all of us face. Each and every one of us want to become the center of the story. And right. so right. to refrain that using self-control, patience, uh, gentleness in some ways is a real skill yeah. uh, and it's learned over time, but to do that, you have to literally practice it. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about is we're, we're also very addicted to the extra appendage in our pocket <laughs> now in our phones. Right. And so as we think about the Lord's table, unless there is just sort of a dire emergency that uh, is possible that could happen or you're waiting for some type of news um, of, of honestly like taking your phone out of your person or off of your person and putting it in a basket or putting it in another room and sort of doing that collectively as a community to say, hey, we are here at present with each other. And so the, the, the one thing that most easily distracts us, even now most easily distracts us at a dinner table is our phones. Right. And so actually putting those away and saying for the next hour or hour and a half or whatever it is, I am just not, I'm going to not look at my phone. I'm not going to feel the compulsion and the need to check the time. Um, or if I am going to wear a watch, uh, and not use the phone as a clock, uh, or whatever it is. But I just think that is a real, um, is a real challenge. Right. Right. I agree. Uh, yeah. And the other thing I think is what is, uh, you know, we think about being present with each other. What does it mean to bring ourselves to bear in the relationship. So a lot of times we, we come in sort of wanting to, to fix, or maybe we'll come alongside other people. And certainly there is a level of, of, of care and comfort and encouragement and, and uh, even challenge that we're able to give each other. But there's also being uh, on the receiving end of that. And so what does it mean to actually say, I am going to come to this table bearing myself, uh, and, and not so I can be the center of the conversation, but because I want to be honest with the community that I'm in. Right. Uh, and I think that's a very important thing. Otherwise we end up just playing, you know, the theatrical Christianity. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, bringing yourself to bear, bringing yourself to the conversation is really critical. Not only, um, not only listening and being present with someone else, but then you allowing yourself to be present by actually sharing openly and honestly about who you are and where you're at. So second question is what, what type of community 
has the Spirit of God used to cause some serious growth in your own life? Uh, the Yeah, the exact type of person you're just describing who brings himself to bear. I've experienced that uh, from several communities that I haven't necessarily like lived in for long periods of time. So like I've told you before, but nobody who listens to this knows this about me. I have like a community in Minnesota that anytime I'm with them, there is this life giving uh, serious growth that happens because I think they are exactly the type of people who bringing themselves to bear in a particular situation. Let's say at a table, we go out to eat a lot is not trying to correct or fix situations. And I I used to think it was correction itself that would always be the source of my growth because that's what you hear growing up, right, at school. if uh, The the, the person who hates correction is stupid, which is Proverbs, right? So it's not like that's not true, but people have taken that as license to make themselves like the facilitators of your holiness. And a lot of the times I've experienced the serious growth spawned by the Spirit of God in our lives is through they're listening. It's 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 through their grieving because um, their preoccupations are not central in that moment with them. I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, because as I was telling you, our my roommates and I, we had a prayer night last night, and one of them was talking about a coworker who is going to like uh, the, this person didn't say that the coworker is considering it, is thinking about it, is going to have an abortion. You know what I mean? And this person is sharing it in a prayer circle with all of us. And we're just devastated by this person's story. Husband, Her husband is incarcerated. She has three kids, $100,000 of debt. So bringing another child into the world is, it seems, unfeasible to her. And I'm looking around the room because I'm trying to see if anybody else in the prayer circle would have reacted how I would have a year or two ago, thinking that sharing a story if i'm not self-referencing others referencing sharing a story about somebody who got through the same situation without having an abortion you know what i'm saying so like in minnesota i've experienced a lot of people who don't uh scratch the itch of correction or imposing ideologies in moments of grief but just presence you know what i'm saying and that has been uh uh, it's spurted growth because it's supernatural it, it, it is not, of course, there are always times that we need advice. There are always times that we need guidance and counseling. But what's better is a friend. And um, I, I was talking to a few people about this. I think you're one of them. Uh, but uh, Job 6.14, where it says, a, a man deserves loyalty from his friends, even if he abandons fear of the Almighty. Those are the times I've experienced most, gro- most growth in my life. Mm. When my fear of abandonment or like process of abandoning whether it's faith in god trust in god hope in god people who have come by and just expressed loyalty and i've grown it it drew me back to fearing the almighty not hating him and i i I get it that's anecdotal maybe other people have had those people in their lives and they still abandon fear and guess what the text still says the loyalty is deserved and so i think those type of communities like the friends in minnesota people back home and i think it's starting to start here in tennessee i've been here for about two months so it takes a while for that to kind of uh come into being but yeah does it make sense yeah no that's good i i think that there is there is something about being comfortable with 
being uncomfortable uh, in the pain of another's life uh, where the impulse is not merely to fix it or to correct it or to just give advice. Although I think there may be moments for those things. Right. Um, Certainly there are moments for encouragement. Uh, We all need that. No one is suffering from too much encouragement. However, sometimes the most encouraging thing to do is just to be able to sit in some of the discomfort and say, man, I, I don't actually have any words uh, to say to you. Um, and doing that over long periods of time consistently and having some, uh, having done, having had that done to myself with a friend sitting with me in that kind of grief, just the so uncomfortable, um, has sort of proved God has proved faithful in that. Um, but their friendship has also proved very true because I do not necessarily think I know they have my best interest in mind. And there have been moments where they have spoken some very hard, difficult things to me that I've needed to hear. And yet, uh, there are moments of almost just quiet silence in the room together, um, or crying with or praying with, or just, sharing with uh, has been the most impactful. Right. Um, and I think the other thing too is that in the midst of that, um, honesty is just, a, it is a marker, I think, of uh, compelling community. Right. Uh, is just, what does it actually mean to to be, to be bring yourself to bear? Again, to, to use that phrase. Uh, honest community, like I know for me, the most, the community that has, ha- that has had the most impact on my life has been the people that have allowed me to be honest without enabling me. Right. Um, and I, uh, they have, they have been able to be honest with me and I've been able to step into that with them. Right. Uh, and so there's just this open communication, open dialogue. And of course that takes time and trust and uh, in fact, it takes a lot of trust. Um, there is a level I think underneath a lot of this, where is okay? Do I trust these people? Because uh, I'm about to share something right. difficult, challenging, hard, uncomfortable. I'm not sure these are safe people yet, and so I need. You know, so there's a level of trust, and I think there is wisdom in in being seeing who is trustworthy. Uh, but I also think if we're just super skeptical and cynical all the time, especially people that are my generation um, and like no one is safe and no one is trustworthy, then we're going to live in deep isolation. Right paranoia, quite frankly, and a level of fear that is just unhealthy for a Jesus follower. Yeah. Uh, and so we need, Jesus had three, and then you had 12, who he walked with for three three years meaningfully. I mean, day in, day out lifestyle. Right. Uh, and so what does that look like for us? Who are those people? And the table is the place where that should be crystallized yeah. because we're all flattened out in some ways. And we're all then reconstructed into children of God and image bearers of Jesus. Um, And I think a community that reflects back to me who I want to be is a community that is worth following. Um, I, I want people to actually tell me hard things, but also reflect back to me and say, you know what, see, I see this in you, yes. or I, I see the spirit of God in this, or I think that is not of the spirit of God. And I think you, what is it? God wants to heal you in that. Let's, let's talk through that. Like those, that type of interaction is very helpful. It's very healthy. Um, and I, I'd long for people 
to do that. I have those people in my life, but I long for it even more. Right. Um, and so what does it look like to have people who reflect back to us who we want to be, um, as opposed to just who we are currently? Right, right. No, I, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just say one last thing, because uh, I think one of the things I see, I'm Gen Z, so I, I didn't quite make the millennial cut. But <laughs> one of the things is that I think because my generation and maybe yours as well, we hear a lot of stories, especially like illustrations of, uh, of Job's story out the wazoo that are like, we, 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 like the passage I was talking about, we understand that Job's friends are the type of people most of us are. You know what I mean? We, we feel like being faithful to God is telling our friends when we don't think something is of the spirit of God that they're not following God. So we don't know, we don't quite have the resources to know how to make these distinctions of being an enabler of someone and someone who's actually an encourager. Uh, because we're thinking if we don't do what Job's friends are doing, then we're enabling. But if we do what they don't do, which is what Job wanted, then yeah, like how, how can we be honest or how, how can we have any measurables of how we had impacted that person's life and it's much more tricky than that being present mm -hmm. right that that's another thing that i wanted to say being present is a tricky messy trial and error type of thing uh we we see that in jesus's interactions with his disciples not that jesus was the source of the messiness but like peter or or whoever it might be causing um distress within the group or confusion or anarchy whatever it might be communities don't try to just immediately dispossess someone of their hurt feelings or all of those things, but they step into that and have a, you become a person of bearing by cultivating that trust yeah, by loving that person. And, and most like that, that quote you started out with, and I'll, I'll try to make this a little more brief, that quote you started out with of the person who said, I'm going to paraphrase it, but um, listening and being loved are so much alike. It's hard to tell the difference. Mm -hmm. It, 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 it and most of the times when we're being listened to and we um, are most needing to be listened to are in moments of grief. And it reminds me of that incredible like Wanda Vision moment where Vision says, what is grief if not love persevering? The importance of presence is that we actually have love for people. If, if love is not what's moving you, into community then your quiet times with god i'm sorry to be quite frank aren't really cultivating the christian life you think you have yeah. you, you know what i mean that the love has a social uh dimension to it it has a creative pull and push out into the world to people where they're at with truth with love with grief with patience and with yeah honesty yeah and so yeah yeah the um the scripture, I feel like the, the, the verse that captures a lot of this is Philippians 2, 4, which is right before Paul goes into that sort of great hymn of the, of the um, early church where it kind of talks about Jesus as this humble servant who emptied himself. Uh, but right before that, he says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, mm. but also to the interests of others. And so he doesn't say don't look to your own interests. He says, just don't 
only look to your own right. interest, but also to the interest of others. And so spiritual formation is about cultivating a love for God. But if it's only about a silent vertical relationship as happening between your ears and not a tangible felt experience happening between people, it is just spiritual wellness, not actually forming you into the person of Jesus. So right. Really excited to continue walking this out. And and again, as we start doing this more in January, uh, kind of putting some flesh on this, I'm, I think it's going to be a really rich um, thing for our church. So Me too. Yeah. All right, everyone. Grace and peace.